Welcome to Leader to Leader with Jennifer Zock. Today, I am converse, in conversation with my good friend, Mariah Obudzinski. Mariah is a national leader in conversation-centered healthcare content strategies, having directed multiple enterprise content projects for major academic medical centers across the U.S., driving long-term content success through agile brand storytelling and SEO strategies. Mariah's areas of expertise include content strategy, SEO writing, editing, subject matter expert interviews, and content marketing initiatives. With more than a decade of experience, she is recognized in the content industry. Mariah is a six-time presenter at the International Content Marketing World Conference and has a BA in Journalism and a BA in English from Mount Mercy University. Welcome to the show, Mariah. Thank you for having me, Jennifer. It's nice to talk with you. Yeah, likewise. Let's jump into our conversation. My first question for you is... What was leadership like for you before you started practicing somatic awareness as a leadership skill? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. And it's it's always an ugly look back, right? Like you think about mistakes that you made and things you would have done differently if you had been thinking just a little bit differently. I think for me personally, I, I get very, as you know, very wound up in my work and it's a very important part of my life. And um, I think I have, I used to really struggle with working with individuals who maybe weren't of that same mindset, that work always had to come before everything else. And that um, that when you have something personal going on, it just needs to stay at home and all of that. And so, you know, I think especially the past couple of years with the pandemic and just more heightened awareness of, of how our daily lives impact everything around us and impact each other, impact our teams and so forth. Leaders just have to think about how it affects them personally and it affects their teammates and really just lead with that empathy and lead with that emotional understanding instead of waiting for something to happen and then reacting. We have to be proactive. You know, talk with our talk with our teammates. You don't have to be everybody's best friend, but you absolutely should take care of people's emotional health at work. It's it's not just the right thing to do. It's the best way to be a good leader that people want to work with. Yeah, and how has somatic awareness helped you do that? It's really it's really been a shift for me. Like I, you know, I, I always outside of work feel like I'm a very empathetic person and try to be there for all my friends and all of those things. And then for me, cutting that, cutting that line at work and having to be professional boss lady and all of those things, you can do both. You can do both at the same time on different levels. You can't, you can't always um, acquiesce everything, but you can absolutely make shifts and workarounds and in ways for people to feel included and to be included you can you can move tasks around you can delegate you can help people really work to their skill sets instead of sticking people into boxes where they don't belong having those conversations and helping people understand what they're really good at what they want to do and how to make those things work together to keep keep your really strong employees 
happy to help people who maybe haven't quite figured out what their role is yet, find that niche and really feel good about contributing to the greater goals. Mm-hmm. Can you share a short story to give our listeners an example of how you've carried that out? Yes. <laughs> Let me think about that for just a second. Sure. Um, we last year had one of the biggest projects that we've ever undertaken as a team. And it was it was in 2021, um, the beginning, the end of 2021, right into the, the beginning of Q1 and Q2 of 2022. So peak pandemic, everybody was fried already. A lot of our clients were extremely stressed out. And it was it was the beginning of that great resignation period where people were shifting and, and leaving and um, this was happening on on our teams as well as on our client teams. And so navigating that as a leader is, is challenging. We were trying to hire and onboard at the same time as trying to conduct this massive six-month project. And so I was at peak stress, I would say, at that time. But I really had to, as a leader, pull myself out of out of my own feeling sorry for myself or or look at how tired I am today. Do you see how stressed out I am, everybody? Um, and really focus on what the team needed, what my what my colleagues needed and what our clients needed. And in doing that, having to really assess personally some of my own behaviors that were maybe detracting some of the energy from me on a day-to-day basis. So I, rather than kind of giving up everything that I would say is a stress reliever to make that extra hour or two for myself during the day to work. I was, um, I I made it a a strong point to try to eat better during that time. I um, avoided drinking too much coffee and other things. I, um, I really made it a point to spend a little bit of extra time with my kids and my dog and just tried to create a balance for myself so that when I came to work, I was bringing my best, best self. I would be Lying if I said it worked all the time, but it absolutely kept me afloat more, I'd say, than in smaller, similarly stressful projects that I've led in the past. Yeah, that takes a lot of discipline, Mm -hmm. a lot of self-discipline. Can you tell our listeners how you felt inside before you started that practice? And how that changed after you found your your groove in so to speak in keeping that that self-care practice i was before it started i was really excited i'm one of those people that loves challenges will will run how long into it instead of saying we've planned out how we're going to do this we'll just dive in and figure it out as we go and that's that's always something that i found to be really a useful character trait working in agencies um, when we got in and we realized how much work it was, I, I did feel like I was kind of drifting on a canoe by myself in the ocean, even though there were 25 people working on this project. And I will say, um, working with you, Jennifer, really helped me identify some of those areas that I was really struggling with and, and kind of covering up. I wanted to present that strong front all the time for the team. And some days I just couldn't, I just couldn't. And I had to be okay with that. I had to figure out ways to express that I was also pretty stressed out, but not not let the team feel like they were buried 
under and that they had uh, a leader who didn't know what was going on, <laughs> even though, you know, through projects like uh, marketing projects, sometimes it feels that way for everybody. But working with you and helping to identify some of those areas where I was maybe putting too much pressure on myself or too much pressure on the team helped, helped zoom us back out and say, what's our ultimate purpose in doing this project? How can we best serve our clients? And how can we best serve each other in the process? Really mm -hmm. finding grace in all of those situations when people needed time off or people got sick or, you know, their children had to be home from school and they just couldn't concentrate that day in restructuring the day, restructuring the week, and sometimes even the month to, to acquiesce some of those things. And it's important to do that. If you don't, people aren't, aren't going to be happy. People will leave, but more importantly, you're going to hurt that person's perception of what they should be doing as an employee and what a leader looks like. And it'll just have that ripple effect and follow them for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It sure will. You mentioned that you felt like you were drifting on a, on a canoe. Yeah. Now <laughs> that, you know, now, how do you feel now? How, what, what, how would you describe since you've been practicing somatic awareness for a while now? Yeah, there's sometimes still are moments in life where you'll feel that way, but now I start to recognize how that feels leading up to it for me a lot it, of the time. What's that? How does it feel? How do you recognize it? Cause that's an important piece for our listeners. Yeah. Yeah. For me, a lot of the time it's, it's that ramping up of, um, excitement, which actually I've always in the past looked at it as being excited in a positive way. But now working through some of these processes, it's like that loose energy is what I started calling it. That loose energy isn't necessarily positive all the time. It could be being anxious about something that's coming up. So I've, I've started to recognize those butterfly type feelings and figuring out whether it's a positive butterfly feeling or a negative one. And then taking it from there, just identifying those physical cues first and then yep. applying the label to it helps you figure out what your next step should be. If it is that negative step, it's who can I ask to help with this or even talk me off the, talk me off the proverbial ledge or give me insights into what my next step should be. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like when you recognize those signals, sensations that you find help in reaching out to resources. Would yes, that be an accurate exactly. statement? Yeah. Okay. Yep. That identifying the identifying the feeling first and then reaching out to the resource who can help you, whether it's somebody that can make you feel better or help you feel better about the situation, somebody who can say, Oh, here's how here's how I handled that situation when I was in it last mm -hmm. is really helpful to me. Or, you know, this is one thing my boss always says to me you know how to do this already. You're just coming in to me to validate that answer. So just go do it. And that always makes you feel better, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And your your boss is keying in on something essential that that I teach the leaders that I, I work with it is to validate, validate people because what it does is it helps them move on that continuum between threat and curiosity closer to the safety of curiosity where they can see the resources available to them, feel safer, come up with the, the answers that they need. And at the same time, it empowers them 
And it also frees the leader up to truly lead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I will say I, I took that to heart after, after working with you, Jennifer, um, one of our big initiatives that we're working towards this year is to, we, we figured this phrasing out yesterday, so it's not entirely perfect yet, but we're reaching for things that are just out of arm's reach. Like we know how to do everything from the shoulder to the, the wrist. It's that hand component that we know the basics and we're working towards getting that last little bit of knowledge and working with our clients to educate us at the same time as we're educating them. And it's a, it's things we know how to do. We just maybe haven't done them a hundred percent yet and figuring out the best path forward to teach ourselves as leaders, to teach our, our colleagues as our teammates, and then helping to solve client solution or client problems with those solutions that we uncover. I love that clear language just out of arm's reach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What have you noticed in your relationship with your your team members the dynamics of your your team as you have implemented skills the somatic awareness skills into your leadership mm-hmm. that's a good question i work with a lot of very creative people and about i would say about half of our team is is the typical creative person who just kind of floats in the ether and you have to really like take them and pin them down and say, here's the thing we need to be doing right now. And I would say the other half is the, is the opposite extreme. They're very micro-focused on this Mm -hmm. is my milestone. This is my deadline. This is my goal. Why isn't this done? And I will say that I fall into that camp a lot more often than I fall into the other. And so identifying those folks kind of watching their, their text cues, their verbal cues, their audio you know, audio cues and, and seeing if they're feeling distressed or just knowing them over the past couple of years, knowing that these are situations that, you know, Susie might get really upset if we present this this way, whereas Mike over here might be more, you know, might make him feel a lot better if we're just direct and say, this is not great work. We know you can do better. Mm -hmm. And so figuring out what works to motivate people what they're more comfortable with as far as feedback and giving those tidbits in real time and and just really giving practical, I think, emotional, emotion-centered, like Susie is managing Mike. Mike requires this direct, constant feedback, but Susie is afraid of hurting his feelings. We take Susie aside and say, this is how Mike prefers to be communicated. You're doing him a disservice if you don't do it like that. Mm-hmm. really helps Susie maybe feel a little bit more comfortable about approaching him in a way that's not her style, but it's definitely his style. So learning that myself and then being able to transfer that knowledge on helps the team, I think, feel more confident in what they're doing day to day and helps them maybe understand why we approach Mike differently from Susie at all. It's not about being unfair. It's about being customized. Yeah. You know what? That story reminds me of a presentation that that I gave to a small group of leaders. And one of the participants looked at me and said, well, how can I, what what should I do so that I don't trigger um, uh, using the examples of Susie and Mike? So so that I don't trigger Mike. I said, well, let's, Susie, let's ask Mike. And Mike was able to tell her. And she's like, if I said, 
hey, brah. And he's like, that will absolutely trigger me. Do not go there. And (laughs) that was a really uh, productive dialogue between the two of them so that she knows, Susie knows what Mike's boundaries are and they can work to their strengths to resolve problems. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And it does, it is hard, I think, for people who, I, I would venture to say, especially women who are kind of taught from a young age not to rock the boat. But when you are in a leader leadership position, you have to sort of reposition that mindset. It's not about rocking the boat. It's about being momentarily uncomfortable yourself to help other people feel more comfortable long-term, which, you know, it it makes it sound like, yep, sacrificing again, lady in this position, but it's really not. It's, it's being open to learning more about how people that report to you need to be communicated with. So your momentary discomfort leads to you being able to have fewer of those uncomfortable moments going forward. Yes. I love that momentarily uncomfortable. Do you remember as we worked together and we talked about being able to to pose the question, is this unsafe or uncomfortable? Yep, I sure do. I think about that a lot. Can Can you tell the leaders what your experience was? I mean, at the very beginning with with that particular tool? Yeah, yeah. So maybe circling back to that big project, I I had a couple of folks on that project who I'd never worked with before, who I continually allowed to annoy me and make me angry and and all of those things. And I wanted to approach them with this information and say, here here are the five things you are doing that make me really mad. And of course I would, you know, phrase it a little more professionally than that. But at the time I felt like it wouldn't have been okay to bring those things up because it would you know, rock the boat, it would make them upset, they would maybe quit, or they would maybe complain about how big and mean I was, because they were working the hardest they could, and it just wasn't working, right? And so I, I, I think that's specifically with something that we talked about, Jennifer, where you said, if, if you don't bring this up to them now, you're allowing them to think that that behavior is okay, they're probably not being malicious on purpose, they probably don't even know that what they're doing is maybe the least efficient way to go. And so by having some of those conversations, as much as it was not fun, things did get better. And that project ended up going for about twice as long as we expected because we kept getting more work with this client, which was great, but it would have been very painful to keep that dragging out and keep thinking to myself, if only I would have said something (laughs) like Jennifer told me to. (laughs) it would have been more comfortable this whole time. So I'm glad that breaking out of that. Okay. It's like, it's like thinking about those. um, What is that movie? I can't ever think of it where the guy says, but did you die? But did you die? You're not (laughs) going to, it'll be fine. Yes. Yes. And that goes into when we're coming from our amygdala, our amygdala doesn't have a a sense of time, nor can it discern between a real and or perceived threat. Its job is to keep us alive. So the amygdala thinks, yeah, you're going to (laughs) die. But that's where we have the opportunity by recognizing our physical sensations to interrupt that, you know, we've got a six second window 
to let the amygdala know that, hey, this is just uncomfortable. It's not unsafe. And then gain access to our prefrontal cortex where our logical and rational thinking lives. So been that's... thinking about that a lot the last couple of weeks. It's been so cold and I'm, I'm training for a big run in a couple of months and I'm on the treadmill and I I'm watching the time tick down, you know, ah, I'm so tired. I just want to quit. I feel like I can't breathe. And I, you know, and my brain starts going, here's all of my excuses why I should stop. And then I look at it and say, in, in 20 seconds, I'll be down to just two minutes to go. I can do anything for two minutes. And I can do anything for 90 seconds and just kind of keeping, keeping those little milestones. It's kind of like that. Here's your small window, get through those, those moments, recognize that you're doing a little self-destruction and then turn it back around. Yeah. That keeps you closer to the end of curiosity versus, you know, the end of a threat where our blinders go on and, you know, we we can not meaning to leave a lot of destruction in our wake. <laughs> yep, absolutely. How, how would you describe how um, you, your current leadership style and your um, your team's performance? How would you describe that right now? I've been taking a lot more pauses before I respond to things. Um, and we're a pretty cohesive group. A lot of us have worked together for a long time and we all kind of run our own pillars of, of work within the team. So it's a lot of our communication is checking in troubleshooting, like spot, spot troubleshooting and things like that. But I will say that by trying to reduce the amount of messages that I'm sending out at random times. I, you know, during that big project, we were on early, we were on late, we were on on weekends and kind of the team, the team agreed that this was just going to be how life was for, for a while and just let us know if it gets to be too much. Um, instead of, <clears throat> excuse me, instead of putting people in those positions where they feel like they have to respond because Mariah sent this email at eight o'clock, I'll, I'll tell everybody, you know, before I leave for the day. I'm going to be online later. I've just got to go take care of something right now that I'd like to handle later tonight. Don't feel like you need to respond to this immediately. Um, and I've, I try to bring that up every time we have teams, team meetings. We have sort of a, a results-based environment at my company. So you can feel free to work whenever you want to within reason, as long as you're making your deadlines and things. Work from midnight to 8 a.m. We don't care. As long as you can get everything done. And so with that mindset, I think everybody understands I'm not online right now. I don't have to answer this message, even though I saw it come across that email. If it's something important, she would have let me know ahead of time or she'll call me and say, I'm so sorry, this just came up. But we try to make those those instances infrequent. And by adopting that mindset, we've had a lot fewer uh, people feeling, I think, like it's a requirement to be online all the time. I don't know if that answers wow. the question very well, but trying to yeah. foster that environment of like, you can be on whenever you want, but that doesn't mean you have to be right on the button when I am on. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that's just an excellent example of you as a leader creating psychological safety 
with your team. Back to the, is it safe or is it comfortable? I might, I might want the answer right now, but do I need the answer right now? 99% of the time, no. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's awesome, Mariah. Good work. Good work. Yeah. Hey, thanks. I had a good teacher. <laughs> if you could share one thing about somatic awareness with fellow leaders, what would it be? I would say that in a, in a especially in a busy and kind of frenetic organization like a marketing firm, um, or even when you have big disparate teams like most people do now, it is entirely worth the time to get to know your employees. You don't have to be best friends with everyone, but to get to know them at least on a, on a level where you can understand what makes them tick, what makes them excited, what makes them not excited, and really ask those pointed questions about how they prefer to work. I think not making assumptions about, well, this is how I understand it, and so I imagine everybody else understands it this way, but really asking them to show you, play back to me what I just told you. Show me what, show me how you would do this following those instructions or in, instead of asking open questions like, do you understand this? Yes or no? Or is this clear? Yes or no? Ask them to demonstrate the thing back to you because people, if you, especially if you don't know them very well, might just be inclined to say, yep, it makes sense. And they have no idea what you're doing and no idea what the goal is, but they don't want to appear weak or silly or like they weren't paying attention just because they learn differently from you. Yeah. So I definitely say get to know your employees either on a, on a, at least on a personal level that they're comfortable with or their communication style at the very least and mm -hmm. follow, follow that. Yeah. I often say, you know, know your people better than their resume. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And not making assumptions because we can't be curious and judgmental at the same time. And so that's, I'm, I'm glad that you, you brought that up. Lead with curiosity. I would say for sure that if you see somebody's work performance kind of dipping, don't jump in and just be mad. Ask them and say, hey, Susie, the stuff you've been sending hasn't been your best work. Do you have something going on that you need to handle or that you'd like to talk about? Um, if not with me, here's our HR person or our employee helpline or whatever it might be that you feel is appropriate. Mm -hmm. Don't just go to, well, this person's being a lazy jerk. Go to, I wonder what's going on with this person that they're not feeling focused. Yeah. Yeah. And because our number one uh, responsibility at any point in time is to care. And what you just described there is a demonstration of letting, of caring. And when we do that, we help people feel seen, heard, and understood. And those are, you know, if a leader can do that, then the rest really will, will fall into, into place. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Any closing words? Go work with Young. Jennifer. She'll ask you questions that make you very uncomfortable, and it'll be wonderful at the end. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth it in the end. You know, that's, that's one right. thing that <laughs> people often tell me is you make me think. 
<laughs> you're going to be tired when you get off the phone and it, it'll be, it'll be really good. Sometimes in the, at the moment you think, why the heck is she asking me that? And then it'll dawn on you a few hours later. Like that's what she was talking about. Mm-hmm. That's what she was out to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Mariah. Anytime. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leader to Leader with Jennifer Zock. I hope wherever you are in your leadership journey, that the conversation Mariah and I had left you with at least one helpful takeaway to apply to your own leadership style. The best way to take care of business is to take care of yourself and your team. Get to know the people you lead better than their job descriptions and take heart in knowing that momentary discomfort can lead to fewer uncomfortable moments. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.